And I'm honored to be with you this morning. I feel like I have a word from the Lord to share. I do think that, you know, as believers, we can fall into the temptation of being just like the world with our words and with our mouths. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the importance of our words. I believe our words is actually one of the most important tools that we have been given by the Lord. And I think that our words should always be God honoring and full of thankfulness and gratitude, not just the holidays. Okay. So my message today is called magnify the Lord with me. It's an invitation really that is inspired from the Psalmist David. And I want to talk a little bit about the power that God demonstrated through his spoken word. Okay. So we're going to go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. Look at what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, he said, let there be light, and there was light. It says this in Psalms chapter 33, verse 6, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. So words are important. God spoke everything that we know into existence. He did not build and craft and form the earth. He spoke and it became. So words are powerful. And I believe that this is important because if you stop to think, well, how does this impact me? Here's how. In that same first chapter of Genesis, in chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you and I were actually created in the direct image of God himself. We carry within us the very nature of the power of God. He crafted into our DNA that our words are powerful because God's words are powerful and we're created in his image. Our words are powerful. And this is an important concept. The Bible goes on and we could literally take week after week after week and just do a series for months on the scripture and what it teaches us about the power of our words. The Bible in Proverbs, it says this, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words both written and spoken, they actually carry the ability to breathe life or to bring death. That's pretty powerful language. And that concept is played out through scriptures. Check this out. Your words can create, they can construct, encourage, they can raise, they can bless, they can exalt, they can praise, they can worship but your words can also destroy. Your words can demolish and discourage and tear down and curse. They can condemn and shame and complain. And we have to be aware as believers of how powerful our words are because guess what? Once they're spoken, you can't get them back. Once they come out of your mouth, you cannot retract them. 
And I believe in the power of forgiveness. Aren't you glad for grace and for forgiveness? Because I know if you're anything like me, you have definitely said something that you go, I should not have said that. And then it is too late. Okay? So our words are incredibly powerful. And we need to take the time to say, I need to tame my tongue. When I was thinking about this message, my kids, they were asking me, Mom, what are you going to talk about on Sunday? So I was sharing with them. And we were talking in our in our time this week about James chapter 3. And it's funny because I told him, I said, yeah, I think I'm going to name my message. You better watch your mouth. Because my kids may have heard that a time or two from their mama. You better watch your mouth. I love the book of James. James has so much in there, okay? And almost the whole entire chapter of chapter 3 talks about the power of your words, And if you haven't read it, I want you to go back this week. That can be your little homework assignment. Go back, flip open your Bible, read James chapter 3, okay? It's talking about how our tongue has the power to steer our life in a particular direction based on what is coming out of our mouth. But I love this in James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and then with it, we curse human beings, who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. In fact, he goes on a little further, and he basically says this cannot be. You cannot have fresh water and salty water mixed and separate the two. It all becomes salty. So this cannot be where we use our mouths that we're worshiping God to curse, to condemn, to demolish, to destroy. Have y'all ever uh, met anybody, maybe you work with someone or you know someone who talks out of both sides of their mouth? Maybe that's you, hopefully not. I know that I have done this before, okay, so I'm going to admit to it. You know, like you're in a really bad mood and you are telling somebody what you think about it and then the phone rings, hello? Hey, yeah, we're doing great. I know somebody has done that. I have definitely done that. You should see my kids when they're like, Mom, how could you? I, uh, I had a coworker when I was first starting out teaching. I was teaching fourth grade, and she had the worst attitude all of the time. Every time I interacted with her for years, What was coming out of her mouth was in the form of negativity, complaint, whining, something was wrong with somebody, something, the temperature, the weather, the kids, the classroom, there was always a problem. And I remember just like as soon as she walked through the door, I was like bracing myself because I knew, y'all know somebody? You're thinking of somebody, hopefully it's not you. When she would walk in the door, I knew that something coming out of her mouth was going to be negative. And I had to like prepare myself mentally and emotionally to interact with her. And so you should have seen the kids in her classroom. They knew she was like about to go over the edge at any minute until the administrators walked in. Good morning, class. I am so glad you're here today. We're going to learn. And they're all like doing the literal eye roll because they're in fourth grade. Like, you are a fake. You are a hypocrite. And so we probably interacted with somebody like that before where everything is negative. 
it wears on you, doesn't it? Everything becomes hard. Maybe you can't relate to that. I hope you can't relate to that. But you might relate to this one. What about on the way to church on Sunday morning? I told first service, I said, if something's gonna go wrong, it's gonna happen on a Sunday morning before you get to church. The enemy wants to distract you and discourage you until you don't go, you don't need, you're tired, something's gonna happen. And so you get in the car and you're fussing with the kids, everybody's running late, you're frustrated, you're telling people off on Interstate 26, and then you get to church. Well, bless the Lord Jesus, he's good. Amen, hallelujah. Anybody done it? I know y'all have done it. Uh, I fixed this problem in my house because we drive separate. I drive my own car. I leave real early. I get here before seven. We all have done that. Where we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. We know as believers we should be worshiping and honoring the Lord. But sometimes it is hard because of what's going on in the back of our mind. You can't just run your mouth all week and complain and gripe. And then it's Thanksgiving all of a sudden and say, Lord, thank you. You are good, Father. It sounds like salty water. You can't have blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth, right? And so this is why it's important that we learn to tame our tongue. You cannot just wait until the circumstances of your life are just right to decide that you're going to thank God because you're going to be waiting a long time because the circumstances around us involve people and dynamics and situations and hurts. And sometimes it's just hard to say thank you. Sometimes it's hard to have a spirit and a heart of gratitude. But I want to tell you this, no one should ever question whether or not you are a believer based on what's coming out of your mouth. And that is hard because there are times where you feel more like complaining than you do worshiping. And that convicts my own heart to say, Lord, I want the words of my mouth to constantly be offering up gratitude to you. Constantly on my mouth. I believe that there are a lot of important words that you're going to say in your lifetime. Some of the most important words that you will ever utter is in that moment of surrender to Jesus, praying a prayer of salvation. Those are the most life-changing words that will ever come out of your mouth. But there's a lot of other words that are very important. How about these words? I love you. I love you. It's important that we express to people that we love, that we love them. Those are important. I think some of the most important words that I have ever uttered out of my mouth were the words I do. Because when I married my husband, it changed my life forever for the good. And I'm so grateful. Those words are important. So the words that come out of our mouth are important, but as Christians, I think that the most important words that we're gonna utter out of our mouth are ones that are expressing gratitude and worship of God the Father. That's some of the most important words you will ever speak aloud. And so I wanna talk today about magnifying the Lord 
in the place of worship. I want to read this highlight from our pastor's book, Think River, Not Pie. We've been talking about this book over the last couple months. Our small groups have been highlighting the book. We've got to hear from Pastor and Pastor Justin, and I'm sharing a word. And I want to share this out of the book because I think it's so important that we know that worship coming out of our mouth is a life-changing thing. Worship is a gift from God. It reorients everything to the ultimate reality of the greatness of God. This is what pastor says. The ultimate lasting reality is that God is good and he loves us immensely. Circumstances, seasons, people, my feelings, troubles, they come and they go. These are things that came to pass. But what always lasts and is always true is the greatness and the goodness of God. And whether I feel good or not, God is still good and he's always worthy of worship. Always. So worship is actually a gift to keep me tethered to the greatest reality there is. That is God's goodness, his greatness, and his goodness. So worship is just the use of our words and the attitudes of our heart, and it realigns everything with God's word about what it says who he really is. If you don't believe that God is good, you do not know him well enough. And that's hard because sometimes our circumstance make us go, but why, God? If you're good, if you're really good, if you're really great, if you're really capable, why am I here? Why am I walking through this? So you cannot just think about your circumstances. You have to use the word of God and lift up worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because it reorients your perspective to the truth. I think in the scripture, there's tons of people who were amazing worshipers. But one of the most prolific and well-known worshipers was King David. And you've probably heard of King David. He actually started out as just a shepherd boy. But even there, out while he was watching his sheep, he's playing his harp. He's worshiping. He's writing songs. He wrote most of the book of Psalms that we still quote and sing today. And he knew the importance of worship and how important it was that no matter what the situation was, we would have our mouths full of the worship to King Jesus. This is what he said, and this is the, the idea behind my message. Psalm 34, one through three. I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just good times, not favorable times, not when I feel like it, not because it's Thanksgiving week. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And that's the title of my message. It is an invitation. Magnify the Lord with me. David was saying, magnify the Lord with me. Let's do it together. Now that word magnify Okay, that word in the Hebrew literally translates to mean to extol, to worship, to glorify, to praise. Okay, but this is a little bit of a play on words. 
Because in our language, this is what we think of when we think of magnify. To view through a special lens that causes you to see something in greater detail. So when we talk about magnifying something, how many people have ever used a magnifying glass? Right? You're taking a special lens and you're using it to look at something in great detail. And when we magnify something, it's what we become focused on. It's what we're looking intently at. And everything in the periphery of what we're looking at suddenly is no longer the most important thing. Okay, when you look at something under a microscope, anybody ever used a microscope? You put a little slide, and often what we'll do is we'll close one eye so that our vision doesn't have anything else outside of what is under that slide. We're zoning in and we're honing in on the exact thing that we want to see. And when we do that, we aren't changing the actual structure or size of what we're looking at. It stays the same. But what we're doing is we're using a lens to be able to see it in its fullest capacity. And I believe that when we magnify the Lord with words of worship and exaltation and praise, what we're doing is we are viewing God through the lens of his word, of his goodness and his greatness. And we are seeing him in great detail. And suddenly everything in the periphery of our life that we're dealing with and carrying, it becomes unimportant. When we magnify the Lord, we're not diminishing all of our problems. Many of them are still there. But what we're doing is we're changing our perspective to align with who God's character really is. And he is good, and he is great, and he is faithful, and he is loyal, and he is true. And so it is an invitation, not only from David, but from me, to magnify the Lord. In light of his greatness, all those other things they fall away. We've closed our eyes and we're honing in on the goodness of God. And it's so important because it is a verbal expression in the place of worship. It is us saying we are reorienting our life and our heart and our mind to honor the Lord. You know, King David, who we were talking about earlier, he was a man of great honor and strength and wisdom, and power, and authority. He was well known. But the Bible says he was also very well acquainted with pain, with suffering, with difficulty. People in his own family were trying to take his life. Talk about hard family dynamics. He feared for his life. He often struggled. He even struggled with sin even though he loved the Lord. And so I I told our team a couple weeks ago, we were chatting and I said, you know, there's a lot of things in life that some people have never experienced. True freedom, true happiness, true love. But there's one thing that in the human race, we all have experienced and that's pain. Every single one of us has had some situation, some thing, some person, that has caused difficulty and suffering. Listen to what David said when he was downcast. Psalms 42, he says, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet 
praise him, my Savior and my God. He wrote this repeatedly, this exact same phrase. He wrote it repeatedly. He talked to his soul. And he said, why are you downcast? Have you ever been downcast? Struggling? Depressed? Anxiety-ridden? Frustrated? We've all been there. And I think just like David... It is important that when we're facing difficulty, we are reminding ourselves to magnify the Lord. We're magnifying him over our circumstances. We're reminding ourselves of his goodness and greatness. We're looking at life through the lens that shows us how good he is no matter what else is going on in our life. I think, you know, a lot of people struggle during the holidays We are celebrating and we're excited about Thanksgiving, but the reality is that for a lot of people, the holiday season is emotionally stressful and painful. And maybe you're even sitting here today and you are struggling, you're grieving loss, and you're thinking of someone that's not going to be around the table with you this year. That's hard. Maybe in the holiday season, you're facing hard memories even as far back as your childhood. And you're looking back and you're going, oh man, I don't have much good to say. I guarantee that there are people in this room right now and even tuning in online and you are worried about the holidays because of the family interactions that you're gonna have to face at the table. Or maybe it's even the lack of family interaction. You, you want to be with your family and you, you don't have the chance. It can feel heavy. Maybe the holidays make you nervous, the financial responsibility, the cost of food. Y'all, thinking of, of buying gifts for your kids. It can be hard. And maybe you walked into this moment today and you didn't even wanna be here. Maybe you carried in with you a spirit of heaviness where you know because you've been around church life, I should be grateful, it's gratitude week, it's Thanksgiving week, but inside of your heart, you're heavy and you're burdened. I wanna tell you that whatever the case is, whatever you walked in here with, whatever you carried in your heart and in your mind, I really believe that when you magnify the Lord, when you look at him through the lens of his word, when you see him as he really is, when you fill your mouth with words of exaltation and praise and of worship and of thankfulness, your problems may not be erased, but they become part of the periphery. And suddenly you're not focused on those things and you look and you go, God, you are good. And I can trust you with my life. Worship is a powerful verbal response of gratitude. You know, I think this time of year of the Magi, they were incredibly wise, probably very wealthy, and they were searching for the King Jesus, the Christ child, the Messiah. And who do they go to? Naturally, they go to the King. So they go to King Herod and they say, do you know where the Christ is? The one who's born the King of the Jews? And he's kind of disturbed. He was the reigning King. Who is this child? Who is this they're speaking of? 
And they ask because they've come prepared. They've gone on a long journey looking for the Lord, looking and searching. And when they come to the place where the child was, the scriptures say that their automatic response was to kneel and to worship and to give something that was extravagant. It was an expression of gratitude. Worship is an automatic expression of gratitude. And I know that you might be sitting here and you know in your heart that that is what we're supposed to do. And maybe you don't even know where to begin. Maybe you're going, I don't even have anything good to say, so I better just be quiet. I wanna give you some ammunition against the enemy. Almost every single week our pastor uses this word. At the end of the message, we leave and he'll say, hallelujah. If you don't know what else to say, this word is so powerful. The word actually broken up, hallelujah. It literally means we praise ye, Yah, Yahweh, who is God. We say hallelujah, we praise you God. We say hallelujah. It doesn't matter what's in our hearts. It doesn't matter what we carried into the moment. It doesn't matter the pain that we have experienced. That pain is legitimate. It's real, but what we're doing is saying that despite our circumstance, despite whatever we came into the room carrying, despite whatever family interactions that we might have this week at Thanksgiving, we can say, hallelujah, we praise you, God, because you are good and you are worthy. Whatever problems you might have that need to be diminished to the periphery, you can say, hallelujah, I praise you, God. I bring a sacrifice of praise because you are worthy and you are greater than my circumstances. When you have nothing good to say, you say, hallelujah, I praise you, God, because you are good and you are faithful and you are true. And whatever is inside of your soul, maybe you're just like David, you are, are downcast. You speak to your soul. You tell your soul, why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? But for yet I will praise him. I will offer up a hallelujah, a sacrifice of praise. And that's what we get to do today. We get to say, oh, come on my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. We're going to praise the Lord because he is worthy of our praise in the house today. Doesn't matter what you had coming in. You say, oh God, you are good. You are great. You are worthy. And so we say hallelujah in the place today. We say we praise you, God. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy. Sing out 
You might still be here and go, you know what? I'm kind of the one that talks out of both sides of my mouth because I can sing hallelujah in the church, but when I go home, I can't control my tongue. Hey, will you just surrender your heart to Jesus right now and say, God, I repent. I want you to change my mind and change my mouth to align with your word. I don't want anybody to ever have to question who I trust and who I follow based on what's coming out of my mouth. I want them to know and be confident. And all over the room, we just say, yes, Lord, do that in me. Do that in me, God, so that when I go around, I am impacting people for your kingdom every time I have an opportunity to open my mouth. If you're in the room and you say, I don't even know how to say hallelujah, you cannot worship a God you have not surrendered your heart to. You cannot do it. And when I was praying and, and preparing for the day, I, I felt like the Lord told me somebody in the room and maybe even tuning in online, the Holy Spirit already prompted and prepared you for this moment. Because the Bible says that we will all spend eternity somewhere. And it is either gonna be in heaven with him forever or is gonna be banned from his presence forever. And I can assure you that he wants every single person to be in his presence forever, worshiping him together as the true family of God, every single one of us. But we have the choice to respond. And so in this moment, I'm not begging, I'm not trying to compel you to make a decision. The Holy Spirit is the one who's drawing you. He's the one that you feel right now and your heart's pounding and you go, I think I need to respond. That's the Holy Spirit because he doesn't want you to leave an opportunity and go, I'm not really sure. So I want you to be sure. And if that was you and the Holy Spirit prompted and prepared your heart, this is the day to make the decision. Thanksgiving week, 
to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus, to know that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of your life. And so if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and surrender as a symbol and a sign that you know for sure that no matter what, you could have been in church your whole life, been brought up and gone to church and not really ever surrendered your life to Jesus. This is the moment. So when you raise your hand, we're gonna pray together in the room right now, all over the room. Will you repeat this with me as we lead us through this prayer? Lord Jesus, I believe you. I believe your word. I believe that you are good. I believe that you came as a baby, but you are now the king. And I'm surrendering my life to your love, to your kingship, to your lordship. So I lay my problems, I lay my sin, I lay my shame at the foot of the cross. And I thank you, I thank you for your goodness, for your greatness, for your mercy, for your salvation. And in Jesus' name, we say amen. Amen.